My message today is entitled, Defining Praise. I'm going to ask you a question. How well do you know the Word of God? I'm not talking about how many scriptures you have memorized, but do you know the ins and outs of Scripture, of the Gospels? Do you know the themes? Do you know the New Testament letters? How about the Old Testament? In fact, do you know what the Bible says about itself? And do you believe it? Well, there's one way to find out. I want to begin by looking at what the Bible claims about itself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This scripture is most often cited when showing that God moved on the hearts of men to write the Word of God through many, many, many years on different, different countries. He spoke through each author as they wrote his words. This is one of the most fascinating truths of the Bible's authenticity, that the Holy Spirit empowered many writers over thousands of years to write a completely interconnected volume of God's Word, which faithfully agrees with itself from Genesis to Revelation. If you've heard me preach before, you know that I preach all over the Bible and continue to show how the, the Word of God connects with where it's at. This is why the Holy Spirit still draws people to the Word of God today. He still enlightens our understandings with its, with its depth and meaning. He still strengthens the faith of all those who spend consistent and devoted time in its pages. But there's one single small word in this passage that's not emphasized enough as it should be. The word was so important that God put it first in this passage. All. All Scripture is profitable and useful for equipping us with everything we need to be complete with God. This doesn't mean that we can skip over the parts we don't like in the Bible, the parts we don't agree with. It doesn't mean that we can ignore the parts that we think are maybe controversial or maybe, as some people say, that the Bible's outdated in some parts. It's not what the Scripture says. It says if we're going to be complete in God, we need to know all Scripture. We need to be in all Scripture. It doesn't mean that we can skim through the book of Psalms and skip all the verses in Psalms that don't seem to have an uplifting nature, if you've ever done that before. I want to find a popular psalm. Wait a minute, this is when David was really struggling and upset. I'm going to skip this one. The, the fact that God uses all Scripture to help us reach no matter where we are in life. We don't just look for words that we want to hear. We look at what God wants us to hear and to know. Do you remember what we ask of God every time that we say the Lord's Prayer? As this church, we say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. We close all our meetings with the Lord's Prayer. And if we're not careful, we just say the words, but there's one part of it that we ask God to do for us. It's in Matthew 6.11. It says, God, give us today our daily bread. 
you know what that means? It means, God, you know what I need. I think I might know what I want, but you know what I need, and so give me my daily bread, what I need to be sustained today. It doesn't say, God, I'm going to help myself to the daily bread that I think I need. No. It says, give us, O Lord, our daily bread. It asks God to supply His daily nourishment to us. That means He gets to pick what we need, not just what we want to hear. And if we're truly going to let Him give us anything that He desires to give us, then we need to allow Him to use the entirety of the God-inspired Scripture to nourish us, to challenge us when necessary, to equip us and to complete us. You see, what happens is we have a lot of incomplete Christians because they're not studying the whole Word of God. That's how tainted messages get off. That's all this gooey grace gets off topic or the prosperity gospel gets off topic because people are not looking at the whole Word of God. But if we want to be complete and equipped for every good work, then we need to look at all Scripture. Amen? The greatest way that God speaks to us is when we pray while we are reading the Word of God so that God can speak to us through its pages. His Word becomes alive and He speaks directly to us. I can't tell you how many times when I'm sharing a message from God's Word and someone said, why did you, why did you share that stuff about my life? I said, what are you talking about? You spoke directly to me. Like, like that picture that no matter where you go, the eyes look at you. That's God's Word revealing, revealing it to you. That's God speaking directly to your heart. With that being said, we must allow God to take us anywhere that He chooses in the Bible. Many people are not able to define what praise to God really is. Some say it's music or songs like we were singing. Or publicly declaring our devotion to God for all the good that He has done. We often think of that when we come into a holiday like Thanksgiving. I need to be thankful for all the good that God did in my life. And that's part of praising God. But I would tell you that praise is much, much more than that. Praise is not merely an action of our voices. It's an attitude of our hearts. Praise is continuing to acknowledge that God is sovereign over all and is the only one who sits on the throne of our hearts. Praise is always keeping an open line of communication to God and trusting Him whether we are being blessed or being challenged, whether we are being built up or being torn down, or whether we are at rest or under attack. Praise tells God that we completely trust Him with our lives, even and especially when we don't understand what He's allowing in our lives. The reason why this is so important is that praise is the glue for the process of God's will in our lives. What I mean is this. God does not answer all prayers immediately. He's not a magician. He's not a wishing well. He's not a slot machine. When our prayers line up with God's will, God goes about a systematic process to bring an answer that not only blesses us, but to also bless many other people who are affected that we don't even realize in the process. So our prayers often bless other people that we have no idea why or how, or who. In addition, God uses prayer requests and answers to teach us what we need to learn in order to be 
complete. There's many things that we don't even know we need, and so God allows things in our lives through prayer to complete us. Sometimes we're taught patience. How many people love to be taught patience by God? I didn't think so, right? Because you know if you pray for more faith, God's going to give you patience to get more faith, right? Sometimes we're taught forgiveness. God, I want to be more like you. Okay, I'm going to have something unjust happen to you and unfair, and you're going to be offended, and I want you to demonstrate forgiveness to that person who needs it. That's what God does. That's how amazing, infinite wisdom is. Sometimes He teaches us compassion. Sometimes He teaches us humility. God allows these lessons to play out in our lives through trials and challenges and circumstances that are all part of His will and part of His answer to prayer if we are, opening, if we are open to learning from Him throughout the whole journey. With so many aspects to a single prayer that we aren't even aware of, it is obvious that it takes a considerable amount of time for many prayers to be answered. There's no greater example of God's process than to look at the problem that started way back in the garden. Remember the garden? God declared that He would answer a, prayer, a problem. There was a problem in the garden when sin happened. He declared He would answer it, but it took a long time for that answer uh, to come together in the fullness of time. If you remember when Satan tempted Adam and Eve through the serpent in the garden, God declared immediately that He would solve the problem. Genesis 3.15 Speaking to the serpent, the devil, he said this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That was one of the first declarations about Jesus in the Bible. As soon as sin entered the picture, resulting in mankind being locked out of God's presence, because God cannot have sin in his presence, so he had to kick them out. As soon as that happened, God declared the remedy immediately. God prophetically declared that Jesus would be the seed of a woman and that the devil would try to trip him up by striking his heel, assuming that he had killed him for good. But upon rising from the dead, Jesus would crush the head of Satan, reclaiming authority in the earth and opening eternity to all who put their trust in Christ. However, it would take 4,000 years for God to bring all this together teaching people what they needed to learn first, that they couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't earn salvation on their own. They couldn't earn their own redemption on their own. They had to realize that their only answer was provided by Jesus to the current bondage that they were in through the world. Galatians 4, verse 3 says this, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, that 4,000 years after the original problem, when the, 4, 000, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Amen? When the fullness of time had come, God delivered the answer. And this answer is still available today when we trust God through the process. And too many people are taught that if I pray to God, I'll get an answer. Have you seen this before on, on Facebook or social media? If you say amen, God will give you an answer in 30 seconds. 
I see it all the time when people like it. I go, what are you doing? That's not true. God's not a wishing well. God doesn't have stock in Facebook. In the fullness of time when God completes His work and all are blessed and our will is lined up with His, then God has an answer. By giving praise to God when we don't understand what's going on, it demonstrates that we trust Him publicly. You see, if we only give thanks, let's say on Thanksgiving, if we only, if we only give thanks when we think that we're being blessed or when we see something as a blessing, then we're only giving conditional praise to God, which means well, I'm not going to praise you until I can say what you've done for me lately. That's what I, I mean, you wouldn't say that, but that's basically what it is. Praise is not to be conditional. Conditional responses are earthly attempts that do not connect with God. Conditional thanksgiving and praises merely tell God that we are thankful when we can see what's in it for us. But the type of praise that God has defined for us is when our praises are unconditional. When we praise Him, not just because we survived the storm, but we praise Him in the middle of the storm. Unconditional praises demonstrate that our faith in God is more important than our lack of understanding God's will at any time in our lives. What is God's will for your life? That's one of the biggest things that people ask. I want to, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. I just want to know. Well, it's clear in the Bible if you look at all scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 through 18 tells us exactly what God's will is for our lives. It says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Certainly this sounds like a beautiful verse to memorize. But how is it possible to rejoice and give thanks when bad things are happening? When evil seems to be winning, at least temporarily. When people are turning on one another. And when and we, we don't like what's going on, how can I give thanks and rejoice in all of that? Notice that this verse does not say to give thanks for everything. Rather, it says to give thanks in everything. In other words, we don't thank God that evil is happening. But in every good and in every bad situation, we thank Him that He is in control. We thank Him that His will will be done and that His love is always with us and that all things will be made new in the fullness of time. The part about praying without ceasing simply means that we are to keep talking to God, good or bad. Listen, God gave you your feelings. He's big enough to handle your anger. Right? We don't need to go onto social media or someone else and blame and complain. We can go to God and say, God, I don't understand. Right? Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? Do you remember he, he quoted a, a fulfillment of an Old Testament passage? He said, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why did he do that? Because the enemy put that thought into his head and tempted him. Jesus was tempted just like we were. And rather than him trying to defeat that temptation himself, he just brought it into light and made it public and let God take care of the battle instead of him. So when God puts a thought in your head like, where is God now? Or why is my life happening? Or why is this happening? Just give it to God. Say, God, I don't understand. And God's big enough to handle that. Amen? Praying without ceasing means I always have an open communication with God. I keep thanking Him. I keep praising Him no matter what happens to me. 
In other words, God's will is that we keep trusting Him through it all, especially when we don't understand. There are many examples of unconditional praise in the Bible. Job was, was a man who was highly favored by God. Very, very wealthy. Had a big family. He was favored by God for his uprightness and his devotion to the Lord. Yet when Job's faith was tested and everything was stripped away from him, including all of his kids, and he was covered in painful boils from the head to his toes, his response was amazing. Job 13.15 says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job didn't know what was happening to him. He didn't know why it was happening to him. But he knew that God was allowing it for some reason that he couldn't possibly understand at the moment. And while all of his friends judged him and assumed it must have been because of some hidden sin or obvious sin in Job's life, Job instead declared his undying trust in God, even when it made no sense. This is unconditional praise like few others have ever experienced. We're so used to giving praise for all the good that we have received or simply the fact that Jesus saved us from our sins and so we can be thankful for that. Yet Job lived at a time before Jesus walked this earth. He still chose to praise God in the midst of the storm. Job justifiably could have agreed with his friends and said that God is unfair. He could have agreed with his friends and said, yes, I'm a sinner, I'm I'm worthless. But he didn't condemn his friends. He didn't agree with He simply had a different aspect, and he changed his heart to an attitude of praise to God. He didn't get into the back and forth with his friends. He just continued to choose to praise God. So what Job did was he prayed for his friends, unselfishly, instead of for himself, Instead of using his anger, he prayed for his friends. And when he did this of unconditionally praising God and praying for his friends, the Bible says that God restored double to Job. Gave him more than he had before he lost everything. Unconditional praise opens doors that cannot be opened otherwise. Yet there are others in the Bible. Jonah was a prophet of God who was commanded to go tell the people of Nineveh to repent, to turn to God for forgiveness. Jonah refused. He didn't think that they deserved forgiveness. And so he went the other way, and God caused Jonah to be swallowed by a great fish. You know the story. I can't imagine a more darker or more horrible place than to see your life slowly slip slip away in the bottom of the sea, swallowed by a great fish, knowing that your choices put you there. And yet, in this terrible situation, Jonah actually started... To thank God. He wasn't pleading with them or begging them. He was thanking God in the middle of where he was at. Jonah 3 verse 9 says this, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. How could you thank God if you're in the middle of a whale, in the middle of the ocean or the sea? How, how could that be possible? I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. How could he thank God from the belly of a whale? Notice that he offered a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What did he sacrifice? He sacrificed his excuses. He sacrificed his comfort. He sacrificed his need to understand everything. He sacrificed his need to be right and his need to know that things would improve. 
This is unconditional praise to God, and it literally opened doors for Jonah when God saw and heard his heart. The very next verse. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You see, when God sees the heart of someone who is unconditionally praising him and thanking him, it shows faith in its rawest form, a true faith forged in the fiery furnace of trials that resolutely declares that God is in control and worthy to be praised. And yet still others have exemplified the power of unconditional praise to God. In the New Testament, Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel and casting out spirits from people in the name of Jesus. This angered the Roman government because they were preaching allegiance to someone else other than Caesar. Thus, Paul and Silas were arrested and in front of the public, they were strapped across platforms and metal rods were used to beat them and put stripes across their back. Then they were thrust into the prison surrounded by vicious criminals. And while dirt and sweat covered their wounds, Paul and Silas chose not to complain because of their current conditions. They actually started praising God in the middle of their pain. Acts 15.25 But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You see, together they chose to unconditionally praise God, singing hymns to God. And other people who they didn't even realize because they weren't doing it for an audience, but other people were listening. Do you know that when you go through a trial, people watch you? They know you're a Christian. They're waiting to see if, if your faith is real or if you just sing songs on Sunday or if you just sing songs when everything's going well. But they watch you because they go through trials too. And when you go through a trial, they watch to see if you're going to fall or if your faith is real. Because the only way that you're going to win, we're going to win others to Christ is if our faith is real in the midst of our trials. That's the greatest way that we can witness is by letting God use us in the midst of our trials and letting His grace and strength flow through us in that time. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Unconditional praise has the power to not just open doors of bondage, but it can bless others in the process. All the doors were opened, including criminals who probably defamed the name of God, who never trusted Jesus with their lives before. All of their doors were open. All of their chains were loose. This blessing from unconditional praise did not merely benefit the believers in Christ. Everyone's chains were loosened. When you go through a time when you praise God and God, and God allows you to happen in public in front of others, other people are blessed. That's how His kingdom advances. Paul would continue to end up in prison. He would continue to be tortured for the preaching of Christ. But these prisoners, their lives had to be changed forever. What greater testimony and witness can we give to the world than to show that our praise is unconditional? That we don't have to always understand what God is doing or allowing in our lives. We don't have to like it, but we don't have to understand it either. We can praise God at all times. That God is above all. 
And he is the, he is the only answer for the world today. Unconditional praise cements your connection with God and prevents you from doubting His will, especially when you don't understand it. It forges a trust that can only be built up in times like these. And in all of these situations, to those offering up unconditional praise, it truly, listen, it truly didn't matter to them if they are rescued or redeemed on this side of earth or not, on this side of heaven or not. God has promised us eternity. And whether He rescues me on this side of eternity or not, it doesn't matter. That's what they're saying. It doesn't matter. I'm content where I'm at. I trust God in the process. Through undying trust and faith in God, they knew that their eternity in God's hands was enough for them. What is praise? Praise is a deliberate choice, not a random reaction to events around us. Praise is an attitude of the heart not an action of the mouth. Praising God before a battle demonstrates faith. Praising God during a battle demonstrates unwavering trust. Praising God after the battle demonstrates consistency and it prepares your heart for the next battle. After spending time in this topic, would you say that you could clearly define praise Or will your goal going forward from this day be one that your entire life is an authentic and defining declaration of praise to God? Will you commit to not allowing the world or unfair circumstances to drown out your praises to God? Will you choose to unconditionally praise Him with your words and your actions and the attitude of your heart no matter where you are in life? Will you be like Jeremiah when challenged to no longer speak in God's name? Will you respond in like fashion as he did? Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up inside of my bones. I'm weary of holding it back. Indeed, I cannot do it any longer. You see, it's not up to us to define praise. Rather, unconditional praise is what defines us as a true believer in Christ. May our praise be untainted and unending and unbroken and undeterred by whatever happens around us or to us in this world. Let us daily choose to lift up a heart of praise to God, the King of our hearts for all eternity. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we lift up our praise to You. We thank You for what You put in our hearts. That You put salvation and redemption in our hearts. And it's kept there by Your love, the greatest force in the universe. Lord God, help us to trust You no matter what we go through. The difficulties, the trials, the challenges, the unfair, the injustice. Help us to lift up a voice of praise to you. Help us to keep that attitude in our hearts. We thank you, God, for calling us together as a family. Lord God, we praise you right now. And we believe, even in places around the world, that we might not not ever see this head of heaven, that chains are being broken in Jesus' name that bondage is being broken and people are being set free in Jesus' name. 
We praise you. We love you, God. Thank you for this time in your presence. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.